On September 13, 1961, a group of 15 black and white clergymen used a segregated bus terminal in Jackson, Mississippi during a nonviolent protest in the midst of that summer's freedom rides to end segregation in the South. After being asked to leave, they refused and local Captain J.L. Ray arrested them on charges of disturbing the peace. They were then brought to trial in front of the local judge, James Spencer, who found them guilty and sentenced them to four months in jail and a $200 fine. The clergymen then appealed to the county court and had their sentences overturned as the county judge stated he found no violation of the law. Exonerated, the newly freed clergymen decided to file a lawsuit for damages against the officers who arrested them for violating their civil rights under Title 42, U.S. Code, Section 1983. This code allowed individuals to sue state government employees for civil rights violations. Section 1983 was originally a part of the Ku Klux Klan Act, signed by President Grant, which gave the president the power to declare martial law to combat the Ku Klux Klan. When the priests brought their case before the district court, the jury sadly ruled on behalf of the officers. Disappointed but not deterred, the clergyman next appealed the jury's decision before the Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, and again the police were found not guilty. In a last-ditch attempt at justice, Carl Rashlin, the chief legal counsel at the Congress of Racial Equality, appealed to the highest court in the land, the Supreme Court, on behalf of four of the priests in a case named Pearson v. Ray. The defendants in this case were Captain J.L. Ray, two of his officers, and local judge James Spencer. Carl Rashlin attempted to argue the case on the basis of the Civil Rights Act of 1871. Unfortunately, in the end, eight of the nine justices ruled that Judge Spencer had total immunity and that police officers should be immune from suits because if not, an officer could be held liable when they mistakenly arrest someone. This case and its outcome established a legal precedent for qualified immunity. Basically, what qualified immunity is, is the legal protection that prevents a police officer from personally being held financially liable for constitutional violations, as long as the officer didn't violate clearly established law. But the question is, what is clearly established law? See, originally, qualified immunity stated officers must act in good faith, and it didn't include the clearly established law clause. But in 1982, after the Harlan Fitzgerald case, the Supreme Court removed the requirement of good faith and then added the part about clearly established law. The clearly established law clause basically makes it impossible to hold officers personally liable because unless there is a case in the past that matches the facts of an officer's present conduct, that officer can't be held financially liable. For example, back in 2014, Nashville police released a dog on a suspect even after he had surrendered and was sitting with his hands up. He then sued the officers for misconduct seeking financial compensation. His lawyer's argument was based on a previous decision on a police dog attack years before. Even though the incidents were very similar, the court threw out the suit because in the previous case, the victim was lying down, not sitting up with his hands up. And that little difference was not enough to establish a clear precedent for the current lawsuit. With such a high bar to clear, qualified immunity has essentially stopped any attempts to end police brutality. Even Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor has called qualified immunity a one-sided approach that transforms the doctrine into an absolute shield for law enforcement officers. Howard Professor Tiffany Wright says that because of laws like qualified immunity, because of the power of police unions in this country, police feel that they can operate without consequences. See, since the founding of this nation, systems and institutions have been used to oppress us black people, and the police have been no different. 
From the days of slave patrols to the reigns of Bull Connor and Jim Clark, law enforcement has been the leading force in the intimidation and suppression of black Americans. And to make things worse, many times the police have enforced the will of racist lawmakers and in return are given immunity from civil liability. Think about it. If police are hardly found guilty in criminal court, then it's almost certain they'll never be held liable in civil court either. With both criminal and civil protections, police most times feel that they don't have to adhere to any code and that they can commit assault or even murder with no personal accountability. See, until legislation is passed and qualified immunity ceases to exist, police will continue to feel just as invincible as they did on that day in 1961. I'm of the firm belief that qualified immunity and police accountability can never coexist.